Welcome, Capital Raisers. We have a new cinematic entrance for the show today where I interviewed Dr. Erin Hudson and found out how she scaled from medical practice to SFRs and transitioned to multifamily syndication, all while building houses for the underprivileged. Are you guys ready to raise? I'll be at the Family Office Club Capital Raising Titans event in Miami on August 1st, and you should join me. Use the discount code TITANS50 on the link in the show notes. With that, it's Capital Razor Show episode 275, and it starts now. Rock and roll. I got Dr. Aaron Hudson on the Capital Razor Show. Welcome, my friend. Good to hang out with you finally. I've been wanting to spend some time with you. How are you doing today? Ruben, I'm so good. I can hardly stand it. I love your energy that you bring to this show, my friend. All right. Very cool. Capital Razor Show Season 3 brought to you by our friends at PitchDex.com. Really a blast working with Richard Wilson and the Family Office Club. So, Dr. Aaron Hudson, tell us a little bit about your background before we go into your business model and capital raising. And who knows where this conversation will take us, possibly mindset or working out. But... As far as your business goes, how did you get involved with syndication and real estate? I got a little bit of insight from Maurice Philogene. He told me to ask some specific questions to you, but why don't we hear it from you? Awesome. Well, listen, it's an absolute delight to be here. I will tell you, I try and keep this nice and tight, but really I came from being in private practice, had a couple wellness centers, and I was really tired of paying Uncle Sam close to 50 cents of every dollar that I was earning. And I knew there had to be a better way. While I was in practice, I started to invest in single family rental properties. Within two years, acquired 26 of those, got some good old mailbox money. And then sure enough, I found out that there was something even bigger, badder and better, which was multifamily. And the truth of the matter was, I thought that that was just for billionaires. I had no idea that we could do such a thing or that I could do such a thing. And when I found out about the goodness of that, I literally packed up my bags and I moved from Southern California, took a massive pay cut, brought in other doctors into my practice, and I went full throttle into the multifamily space. When I got started, that was 2017, as I started learning about this multifamily space. And it took me all the way till 2019 before I took down my first property. So it was a bit of a snag and a lot longer than I anticipated. And I think that was because I was the chick that was trying to wear all the hats. Can you relate? Mm -hmm. Like oh, yeah. trying to find the broker, trying to find the money, trying to find the property and et cetera. After I did take down that first property and sometime I found out there is a better way. So today I might just share some of that goodness with you. <laughs> This is very typical, this kind of mindset, particularly for people who have had partners and didn't like their experience. They're like, oh, I'll just do it myself, right? And they can't ever scale because they're so focused on, I'll take down some fourplexes and then maybe I'll get into some 12 plexes. And they're not thinking, geez, I really could own a piece of that like humongous building that I drive by every day that's got 400 units. But the yeah. reality is that all these guys that own these real estate buildings, they're like people that we went to high school with, with some specialized knowledge, of course, but they're just, they're mortal human beings, right? So if they can do it, why can't we do it? Amen. That's my mindset. I'm totally with you. All right. So you found out about multifamily. How? 
Where did you find out about multifamily and large scale multifamily in particular? So I had a buddy that invested in single family. And then all of a sudden he told me about multifamily. He didn't say much about it. He just said that there was this multifamily event going on like the next day. And he's like, you need to come. And I was like, I need to come. I'm like, I don't even make the cut. Like I don't have any business being there. Right. And so to be quite frank, I went to that event. It was just a couple hour event begrudgingly. And I was the chick that sat in the back row with my arms crossed. Like, why am I here? What the heck's going on here? Anyways, I sat there just not really all that excited. And I will tell you the truth. It was about 10 minutes in and truly it was as if the Red Sea had been parted and it was that moment. And what do I mean by that? Let me just explain. So here I am, I've got 26 rental properties. Okay. Imagine I like to say, imagine playing the game of Monopoly and here we are, we go around the board playing Monopoly. We collect our $200 and then my butt lands on Vermont i.e. with my single family properties. We all know that Vermont like pays the cheapest amount of rent when you land on Vermont. So when I say that the Red Sea parted, it was like, oh my gosh, here I'm playing this game landing on Vermont and I am completely worthy and 100% capable to land on Boardwalk every single time. And so when I previously said I packed up my bags and moved to Texas, I wasn't kidding. I heard the goodness there and I was like, holy smokes, what's next? And it was that hunger and that thirst for something. There's got to be something more and further research and so on and so forth. You find out that that's where all the multimillionaires and billionaires are birthed. A good chunk of them real estate and multifamily and commercial real estate to be exact. And so it was game on for me. So Maurice wanted me to ask you specifically about when you guys met. From my understanding, you got on stage and asked some people for some charity. And there was a few people that raised their hands because nobody was going to give you anything. And then Maurice was one of the first people. And then, so what was that all about? Tell us that story. I want to hear this. Hold on. You got to, let's back the truck up. And especially since this is not a call for limited partners, I'm going to get really, really raw. Let's do it. Because everybody loves to hear trash. Everybody loves negativity. I hate to say it, but humans are drawn to it. So I'll try and sum it up quick. But basically, let me just tell you this much. First of all, if you want to get on a call with me and you want to hear more of the story and, and learn a little bit more, I'm happy to do that with you. Not because I want to air my dirty laundry, but because guess what? We all can learn from one another. And the more vulnerable we get with one another, the greater learning curve. And you don't have to go through that pitfall that others like myself had gone through. Okay. So where is this going? I'm very curious. Now. We'll go a little bit deeper because, <laughs> because it is something that is really, really powerful. And I think it goes back to the topic of partnership and making sure that you get in bed, i.e. link up with the right partners That's that good. share the same values, goals. They have a drive to help people. And they're not just these money hungry, disgusting folks. Yeah. We like to talk about partnership. We definitely like to talk about scaling. So this is going to be perfect. I want to hear more. <laughs> Awesome. Okay. So my first deal, just to kind of orient you, many of you may have came from some type of mentorship program where you learned how to get in the game and take down multifamily. Me the same. When I was in practice with my two wellness centers, I didn't ever have any partners. I didn't have any debt on my practices. I owned 26 single family properties. I didn't have any 
debt on my single family properties. That's kind of stupid, I know. But anyhow, and I didn't have any partners on my single family properties. So here I move into multifamily. I hear it's a team sport. And so I end up linking up with a couple that's part of my mentorship program. And basically, here's the net of it. We close on the deal. And a couple of days later, money is missing from the bank account. Basically, I was in bed with some frauds. And long story short, I had to remove them from the company. I had to run this place by myself until I brought in another partner. And here's the net of it is you have to be super, super careful when you are looking to take somebody else's money, invest it. You want to make sure that you're working with the right folk that have a desire to do good and take care of your people, not look at their own pocketbook and want to grease their palm. So anyhow, with that being said, when I look back, there were little red flags that I dismissed and I didn't pay close attention to. And so that's all for another conversation. But the net of it is this. I ended up getting in bed with frauds. I thought, shoot, I might just leave this space. If this is what multifamily is all about and people are going to do things like such, I don't know if I want to be a part. So that's where we're at. And then Ruben, do you want to chime in and say anything before I carry on? Well, I mean, even beyond some of the horror behind your story, I would say not everybody's going to get into bed with a fraud. However, people will sell you, oh, I take care of the residents. I love people. I have parties for them and food trucks at the apartment complexes. And I go to church and I'm spiritual and yada, yada, yada. And then you do business with them and then you find out, well, their communication infrastructure sucks and there's other things. There's some angry investors. And just because they seem on the surface like they have their things in order and are spiritually aligned does not mean that they're great business partners. So don't be sold. Really do a higher level of investigation. It's just my two cents there, but go on. For sure. And if you're going to really work with them on a deep level like that, I highly recommend background checks. There's so much to learn. And if someone gives resistance to that, then that's a red flag for you already. But here's the thing. I'm not going to freak out about the bad move that I made because there's always greater things on the other side. But furthermore, my learning curve. I will never do some of the things that I allowed and did previously that I wasn't mindful about. Anyhow, with that being said, I really was contemplating leaving the space because I was just, I was really turned off and sad. And it was anyways, fast forward, I end up going to this mentorship program that I'm a part of and they put on their conference. There was a thousand people here in the room at this conference and they had called me up and said, Hey, we just want to give you an award for closing on your first property, hundred plus doors within 18 months of their program. And so they hand me the award and the MC says to me, Hey, so what did you do to celebrate the closing of this property? We're going to go away from the negative and I'm going to go to the positive because that's just who I am. I take my kids and my family and we like to go to third world countries and we go feed the poor, take care of the sick, build orphanages, go love and take Christmas to orphans. Like we do a lot of different things like that. And at the time, we had been to Haiti and Belize and currently our hearts were turned towards Nicaragua. And so we were building homes for the single moms living in the trash dump and it cost $5,500 to do so. So the lady, the MC says to me, what did you do to celebrate? And I fire back with, oh my gosh. And I started to tell a little bit about our philanthropic and what we do as a family. And I shared that we built our 13th home for the single moms living in the trash dump. 
And I'm standing on the stage and she's like, that's amazing. And I start to get these tears that start coming down my face. And here I am at a multifamily event. And I'm like on the stage starting to get super teary. And, and all of a sudden I start to feel this burning in my belly that I couldn't even dismiss. Just said, as a matter of fact, I would love to build two more homes if I can get two people to match me. Remember, I said I was in a room with a thousand people, Ruben. You can only imagine. Dead silence. You could hear a pin drop. I remember thinking, what in the hell did I just do? This gentleman from the back of the room, he stands to his feet. He says, I'm in for 5,500. People started standing up. And within 10 minutes, we had raised $55,000 and built 10 homes for the single moms. Fast forward it. I go to my room that night and I'm like, Lord, why did you put that on my heart? And as clear as day, he says, those that rise to the occasion to pour in such a great a cause as this, are exactly who I want you to link arms with. Really? Fast forward, Quattro Capital is birthed six months down the road. We get together and guess who the partners are today? The fire starter from the back of the room, Maurice Philogene is my partner today. The chick that stood up in the front row, Kim Wenland is my partner today. I don't need to go any further. What I'm telling you is it is so powerful when you link arms with people that have a heart to do good for other people and they want to change people's life and they want betterment for each and every individual that they work with. And I kid you not, because we desire so much to make it about people and to help them win at the game of life. We have been so incredibly blessed beyond measure, Ruben. I love it. That's so fantastic. I'm glad that Maurice prompted me to ask you about that. We can unpack so much there. I'm really big on mindset and I've been to quite a bit of personal development. I know that you guys go and I've seen pictures of you guys at Tony Robbins events and stuff like that. I'm curious about why you were closed particular to the multifamily or was it the way that you were sold this particular conference? And you also mentioned the worthiness, which also dives into personal development. I've been working a lot with converting my head model of my goals to like incorporating the heart model of why I want to do this and the fact that I am worthy of acquiring these things and doing these things. So I kind of want to dive into some of those yeah. concepts. So I'll tell you this much. I think going back to the first question is why were you in the back row with your arms crossed? Because honestly, I thought that there would be no way in hell that I could ever purchase an apartment building. That's like what the uber wealthy do. Like I certainly didn't make the cut and it was not me being like, oh, poo poo, it's too hard. It's not about it was being too hard. My thought in my head is that you had to have uber amount of money in order to be able to do something like such. But the person that invited me, I honored and I respected so much. They weren't of that caliber by any stretch. But I just thought we were going to be wasting a little bit of time. And for anybody that knows me, like time is your most precious commodity. Mm -hmm. And I like to put my capital where it's going to give me a really capital, meaning IE time, where it's going to give me a great ROI and return. So I, I just went just because to fulfill, but I had no idea what was going to come from it. And so when I say I didn't think I was worthy or capable, I truly didn't think that I was worthy because I didn't have money to go buy a 10 million or $25 million property, like truly, truly. But when I found out what it takes to buy a property, I was like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, yes, I wasn't the chick that counted the heads in the room. I was the chick that was going, they had all the you know people come up showing that we're doing it. I was the chick that was saying, if he can do it, 
crap, man. So can I, if she can do it, so can I just by hearing them talk, we all like, let's be honest. Come on. You have 60 seconds to meet a person and you can pretty much in 60 seconds, you have a thought about that person, good, bad, indifferent, successful, not successful, whatever it may be. And so I'm not a comparer and I'm not a jealousy person whatsoever. In a healthy way, I was looking at them saying, holy smokes, if they can do it, so can I. Truly, truly, when I say that I packed up my stuff and left to go to Texas, I wasn't kidding. I left a massive salary and handed it over to other doctors in my practice to come over so that I can play full out in a space that I knew was going to be so incredibly fruitful that there was no question about it. It was like, let's go. So a lot of people, they're kind of like, I don't know that I can purchase a five, 10, $25 million property because nobody that I know in my circle of influence or my family has ever purchased anything more than a couple million bucks ever. So like, what gives me the right? Am I worthy? Am I capable of doing this? And these are mindset shifts that have to take place. So what was it for you? It was just seeing that other people were just regular normal human beings that were taking these down that gave you the confidence that you could do it as well? Okay, so check this out, Ruben. This is such a great question that you're asking. Let's go back really quick because I think this will help tie it together. And I think I'll give your listeners some pretty incredible nuggets. So when I told you that I acquired 26 rental properties within two years, it wasn't because I was sitting on a pile of money and I just started to funnel out cash everywhere. No, I'm a chick that's super creative. I like to be strategic. I like to craft things and put them together and make it a win-win for other people. So when I say that, basically, let's just call it, I would buy three homes. I would sell two, obviously increase the price. And then I would keep one for myself. And guys, I'm talking about Indianapolis, $40,000 houses. Okay. I'm not talking about $500,000 houses, but think about it for a moment. I did that and did 231 buy and sell transactions without being a real estate agent, hold on, without having a website. Okay, wait, hold on. I've never even been to Indianapolis, Indiana. Why do I tell you all this? I tell you about it because it truly is about people, guys. It's the no like, and trust factor that I know that you've heard that is obnoxious because you hear it all day long in our space, but it is so freaking true. If you take care of the people that you're working with and they know that you are not gonna manipulate them, that you truly want for their success and you want to see them win, the party's over. So guess what I did? All of those people that were my friends and family, like warm, warm leads, I went to them and said, when I found out about this, holy smokes, this multifamily, guess what I did? I went back to them and I said, listen, I'm so glad that we got to work together in the single family space, but I gotta tell you something. I'm actually going to be moving into the multifamily space and I'm going to be buying apartments. And when I get there, because it's got a much larger learning curve, when I get there, do you want me to circle back around with you? If people know you, like you trust you, are they going to want you to circle back around? Is the answer going to be yes? Of course. Of course. So my first property was just over $5 million. I was the only person that brought capital and I raised $2 million for the deal. And guess where that money came from? All that circle of influence from your previous days. The majority of it came from the circle of the influence. So if people are not so transactional and they truly love, love, love people and want to help them win, you become an anomaly because most people are not like that. 
you become magnetic and people want what you have. They want to be surrounded by you and they want to be a part of whatever it is you're doing. Is that like an amen or an amen? I feel like that was like, boom. Rock and roll. I'll give you an amen to that. Very cool. Hey, let, <laughs> let's dive real quick. I want to talk about capital raising, but before we go down that road, let's hear a little bit about what the business model is for Quattro Capital. What are you guys investing in and what do you want to be investing in the near future? Does the economy have any effect on what you guys are buying? That's like a loaded question, but we buy in the Sun Belt. You ask, you piggybacked a few questions on there. So let me know mm -hmm. if I'm missing anything there, Ruben. But we like to buy in the Sun Belt minus Florida for the most part. And we absolutely are still buying, even with the temperature of the market. Same thing with the pandemic. A lot of people were sitting on the sidelines. Well, Quattro Capital was absolutely leaning in and no different than the time right now. There's a lot of people sitting on the sidelines. Well, guess what? We're leaning in. And it's probably, you've already probably heard it before, but look, I think for the past five years, there's been a lot of tailwinds that have had people have great success, especially when yeah. they go to exit out of their property. I think we're going into an arena where the real operators are going to be truly tested for the first time. They're right? already being tested. Some of them. Uh, absolutely. But I think it's going to get worse, Ruben. And what's going to happen from that? We're going to have rainfall. I feel like in the next 18 months, there's going to be rainfall where cost of goods have gone up. So people can't finish their CapEx, which means they can't get their rent bumps, which means so on and so forth. They don't have the, the income coming in from that property that's either going to send the returns for their investors or they can't service the debt any longer. So I hope that's when we come in to be able to scoop up and take care of some of those assets that are out there that are great assets that really just need to be in, in new hands. So that's kind of where we are on that thought. and then. I think I'll add one more thing. With Quattro, we've got 200, just roughly 200 million assets under management. We've closed on 26 properties and we've done it all in-house. We haven't had capital raisers. There's a lot of capital raisers all out there and that's another conversation, but with the whole SEC and just staying up to snuff and ethical and all that with how all that's going, we stay away from that, that red line there. But what we are doing right now is we are getting locked and loaded for any listeners that are on here that are just contemplating using a fund, we've got all of it dialed up. You can pretty much imagine this, a box with a pretty bow on it, and it's a paint by numbers. And that's what we've created. We've negotiated all of the third parties over here, i.e. the attorney, the CPA, and the portal for our investors. We've negotiated all the pricing and we've made it available to people that are just getting started in that capital raising. Maybe perhaps they can't raise six or eight million dollars but they are at that entry level we just might be able to help you so we want to be ready locked and loaded to take down properties and so we're going to need some other warriors along with us mm -hmm. to pick up the goodness no i feel you we have a lot of growth and scaling that we want to do and we're definitely looking for some partners and some some big check writers to help us scale to about ten thousand units over the next seven years we're talking about for these new capital raisers for them to start their own fund as beginning capital raisers and invest with you in that capacity? Or are you talking on the co-GP side? Yeah. So they would actually get compensated at the fund level. I feel like it's such a beautiful way to help people get there to find their groove and get in the game too. Because again, I already said, not many people can just go out of the gate and raise three to $5 million. But what if they can do that? And if they desire to find properties, guess what? They can do both at the exact same time and still be getting in the game and work with, i.e. a high performance team. 
you guys are very bullish on value add multifamily or different asset class sub niches of multifamily long term into the future, correct? I think too that in due time we would like to diversify, like maybe car washes, maybe some storage. So we're kind of, but we're not looking to be the specialist in the arena. Probably link arms with some great operators so that we can offer some other things for our investors. But yeah, so we're open. Cool. Let's spend about two or three minutes on what you've learned about capital raising since the beginning days. I think you said 2019 is when you started taking down your big multifamilies. What have you learned since then in the capital raising? How has it evolved? In the capital raising? Ooh, that's a good question. It's about people. Yes. And the more, I think there's something that maybe you share this same commonality with me. There's nothing that's more annoying than getting a text message or an email in regards to, for me, an opportunity. And it's not a true, like water that relationship and like, hey, Aaron, I was thinking of you, check out this. Da, 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 da. I understand some people want to automate things, but I'm one that I just, just at least a text and say, hey, I'm going to send something to your inbox. I don't like getting a whole bunch of emails with opportunities. That's just me. So I think what makes me different is getting on those calls and having those one-on-ones and really just addressing what are the goals? What are the needs? Are you looking for cash flow? Are you looking more for retirement? Are you wanting more of the appreciation and finding out where they are? And I also think that at the same token, it went from a lot of retail investors and I'm starting to shift over into like working with like CPAs or financial advisors mm-hmm. and being able to tap into those resources. I think that, look, we all got to start someplace. So I did start with the, the retail side. And now I'm speaking just on a lot of stages, on panels. And so you can really have the exposure and make a further reach when you start doing a little bit more of that. And being on podcasts. Yeah, stages, I think, is an incredible mechanism for getting in front of the audience and connecting with them because they see you in person. I want to hear real quickly about your system for communicating and talking to people. You said you really love getting in and understanding what their needs are and talking to them. But what is your system? Do you have like, how do you know when to follow up and how to get back in touch with people? Or how does that work for you? Is there a way that you track that? If you make sure that you take care of your people the proper way and your communication is great and you follow up with what you currently have already been entrusted with, that is where the goodness lies. You've got a trough of investors that have already invested with you. And so if you just continue to water the seed here and do your others speaking up for me, speaking on stages, going to meetup groups and speaking there, all of that stuff yields so much fruit versus a one-off conversation like I had to start with when I first got in the game. Now from those events, then I will do one-on-one calls, but now they're already kind of warm. I already know that they're, that they're what they're wanting to do. They're either wanting to get in the game and invest or they want to know how in the world can they come be a soldier and work with Quattro. So with that being said, I really want to turn that focus onto those investors, those current ones, just checking up on them, seeing how they're doing quarterly. Hey, let's reassess. Where are you at? And the more that they trust you, the more they open up and they share a whole lot more. And if they're happy with what you're doing, that's where you're going to get your referrals. I was just looking at our investment rate on our last deal that we closed in December. We had a 53% reinvestment rate. The one prior to that, we had a 42% reinvestment rate. Oh. And I mean, that was a $17.2 million raise. So there's still a lot of new fresh blood that comes in, but that's a lot of investors 
that are reinvesting. Why? Because the first time around, maybe they're only $100,000 in your deal. That's our minimum, but maybe it's only 100,000, but then it goes to 500,000 for the second one. You see what I'm saying? So it's been, it's been pretty powerful. Very good stuff. Definitely a lot of wisdom in what you just mentioned. All right, cool. Let's jump into the lightning round. My first question to you is what's the best vacation you've ever taken? Oh my gosh. I just went on it. I went to Cancun, Mexico with my kids. We stayed at the moon palace and it was amazing simply because all my kids at home, I kind of run a little bit tighter ship. There's not soda pop. It's not a free for all at my house there it was like you have the butler come to the room at 12 midnight you can go to any little station it's all inclusive go get whatever you want but if you get the belly ache that's on you not on me so there you have it i did the flow rider they had like where you could surf at the resort fun stuff so fun. hopefully you uh, got to see some cenotes or some archaeological ruins I, <laughs> I used to live in the area i know everything about that part of the world very cool favorite uh, book of any kind oh uh, I have to say, hands down, Who Not How by Dan Sullivan. It was an absolute game changer for me. Even furthermore, this is the best investment I ever gave myself. I have someone that comes to my home for four hours a day and is like my catch-all. They're paying bills, they're getting dinner started in the crock pot for the family, they're doing the laundry, they're literally making my appointments and calling the doctors and best thing ever, recommend it. How much of your success do you attribute to mindset? Probably 90%. What's the other 10%? That's probably a little bit high. I would probably say 80, I don't know, maybe 50, 50, but mindset is huge, but just taking action and knowing that there's no mountain too high. It probably is 90, 10. It's mindset 90. 10 set is like the actual skill going and digging in and taking action. On a side note, I did go to a personal development conference and they came up with this concept that it's 100% mindset because if you have the right mindset, the mechanism to acquire your goals doesn't matter. If your goal is to acquire a real estate property, there's a bazillion ways to do it. And in order to tap into one of those ways, you first must have the mindset. I don't think I've ever Ooh. mentioned that on the show. Ooh, so I it's a hundred percent mindset, 0% mechanism, because there's a bazillion mechanisms. How I'm, long do you want to live? How about that? Um, a hundred. Why not? Do you have any hacks for breaking through limiting beliefs? Yeah, I do actually. I'm pretty much every morning getting up, doing my affirmations, and I write down my thankfuls. Five thankfuls every single day. It could be about, holy smokes, the home I live in, it's warm this morning, whatever it may be. Five things, just full of gratitude, loving the kids, loving myself. And of course, it's gotta be finished up with that workout. So all that's done by seven o'clock before I have to get the next kid up and out for school. Excellent. Biggest difference between who you are now and who you were when you were in high school? Oh, so good. I would say just confidence. Like, I just feel like I'm so much more confident now than I was when I was in high school. And it's so opposite. It should never been that way, right? Like, I, that's why even with our kids, we're just like, dude, life is so good now. Like, smile, be happy, and you have it all. But I think, I think furthermore, listeners probably can relate as we have a success in the multifamily space or just in life, we start to climb that ladder. And as we climb that ladder, there's a dose of confidence that gets embedded in us. And that confidence goes up and up and up, not to a level of pompous, but confident who we are and standing taller. Fire, I love that. Best way to raise capital from your perspective, short answer on this. For sure, just being in front on a stage, definitely. What do you love about wake surfing and snowboarding? Oh, 
adrenaline. <laughs> it's so fun. Laughter is like food for the soul. And so if I could be behind that boat, music is pumping and I've got maybe one of my kids on the board with me and we're doing a double ride. Heck yeah, hands down all day long. Okay, you were mentioned earlier before the show that you're buying a Tesla. Tell me, why are you buying a Tesla? How did, how are you, how did you get hooked up with that? So check it out. I've had my Suburban for 11 years and I'm always taking care of everybody else and not myself. And finally my kids are like, mom, you really should just get a Tesla. And my 17 year old went on the phone and was like, man, what about this one? And I was like, just do it. So listen, at this game of life, like I've just worked really hard and I think, shoot, why not? And so I got one, test drove it. And the day I test drove it, I was like, all right, I'm really buying this Tesla. Why not? Fun. Fantastic. All right, a couple more questions. Do your spiritual philosophies have anything to do with your success in business? Well, first of all, I serve a good God and all of the trials and everything that we go through in life, because we're all going to have them, that we have to remember that it's but for a season. And sometimes the good Lord wants to test us and see how we posture ourselves. And do we crumble or do we rise up and conquer? Because when we rise up and we conquer, he promotes us to so much more. And then always around the corner after, there's always blessing. You just have to be looking for it. Yeah, God's timing is pretty amazing. The things that you want don't always come in the way that you think that they're gonna arrive, by the way. All right, last question brought to you by one of our great listeners, Shanna Amigo. She would like to know what impact would you like to leave in the world? Honestly, I'm on a mission to, I already told you about the whole philanthropy side, which I absolutely love. It will never stop, but impact probably my kids for sure. Coming from a home where my parents work nine to five building somebody else's dream. I'm on a mission to build, build generational wealth like never before, leave a legacy for my kids. And I put my money where my mouth is, my kids all, my 23 year old has her, is invested in an apartment building and my two kids at 14 and 16 started their own Airbnb on our land with a shipping container and they're killing it. So that kind of stuff gets me pumped. Good stuff on the lightning round. All right, cool. That's one of my favorite parts of the show. Shout out to the Capital Razor Nation. Thanks for tuning in. Please leave us a five-star written review. Shout out to my company, Legacy Acquisitions and our sponsors, Syndication Pro, Pitch Decks and the family office we have a new capital raising coaching program in conjunction with the family office find out more about that at capitalraisershow.com dr aaron hudson how does the audience get a hold of you my friend yes aaron at the quattroway.com and that's two t's q u a t t r o aaron at the quattroway.com is my email or you can find me on all social media platforms if you reach out i'll even probably take 15 minutes to jump on a call with you and we can figure out how to move that needle forward in a mighty way. Yeah, you're a great follow, by the way. Lots of funny content. I think I saw some people jumping into like a very ice cold pool, not too long <laughs> back. <laughs> yep, we have fun and we work hard. Okay, and do you have any parting words of wisdom for the aspiring capital raiser or syndicator as they scale on their journey? Just go for it. Take massive action and every single day, move that needle forward. And as you do, it becomes like a snowball. Just as Ruben said earlier, you may start off and only be doing 200,000 and you're going to have 2 million in no time. And when you do class act good business with other people, you are one to remember because not everybody is doing great, good, sound business. So you be the one. Good stuff, doc. All right, cool. I really appreciate you coming on. I want to thank you. Enjoy the rest of your day. This has been a blast. The Capital Razor Show.
Tchau!